kicks let's start in verse one Uh, the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters we're gonna stop right there Um, so the first verse is essentially uh kind of being in awe of the shepherd of his life David is, uh, you know, as a professional shepherd, um, obviously seeing some comparisons there and him being a poet, you know, kind of puts all that together. Um, And he knows what it takes to be a good shepherd. And you kind of get the sense that he's in awe of the fact that his shepherd is, is the Lord of the universe. And because of the reality that the Lord is the one who is, has taken on voluntarily responsibility for his provision, and for his care, and for doing what is best for him, um, he realizes that he will lack nothing. That's what the I shall not want part essentially means. Uh, because of who my shepherd is, uh, I, will, I will lack nothing. Uh, I will never long for anything. Every need that I have will be met because of who my shepherd is. And uh, so you, there's this just incredible confidence in the first verse that David is just, just exuding, not confidence in, him, in, in himself, confidence in his shepherd. He's not boasting in, in himself as a sheep. He's boasting in who his shepherd is, and he is uh, walking in confidence uh, be, just in light of that reality. Uh, so, so now we move into verse 2, and uh, we see the, you know, the talk about lying down in green pastures, leading beside still waters, uh, so um, we're just going to kind of break this down a little bit and just kind of go, th- go through the whole verse and then try to apply it a little bit at the end. Um, the green pastures part uh, is probably pretty obvious. I don't think you have to be, you know, like an ag major to or have grown up on a farm to realize that green pastures are, are good. Uh, just like us, uh, what, what animals ingest has a lot to do with their overall health and, and everything. So the, the greenness of the pasture, the color green, you know, meaning that these are, are healthy um, areas for that that you lead the sheep into to eat. Um, and the thing we have to like recognize is uh, in this region where David was, uh, it's not like Ireland, you know, where everywhere you look is a green pasture. Uh, there are seasons where there is a lot of, of green, um, but for the most part, uh, that's that's not how it is. Um, a shepherd has to work really hard to uh, to prepare green pastures for his sheep. Um, they would go in and they would have to to till the land. They'd have to plant things. They'd have to um, you know irrigate it. And and so that was a part of it. Is that a shepherd? They didn't just tend to the sheep. They also spent time preparing the fields and growing the food for the sheep to move into to eat. And so for there to be green pastures, there's there's, uh, there's kind of two things going on here uh, from a shepherding perspective. One, one is that my shepherd works hard to make sure that, that I have the best, of, the best of whatever it is that's going to be the best thing for me. 
that he works hard to do that. And so if he has to uh, till up the fields, he's going to do that. If he has to plant stuff, he has to do that. Um, if he has to get water to it, he's going to do that. If he has to plan ahead, he's going to do that. If he's going to, if he has to, to um, months in advance start getting the seed ready and all that kind of stuff, he's going to do that. If he's going to rotate us, you know, let us feed here and then move us to here and move us to here, but then meanwhile he's going by behind us and repairing those fields and all that stuff, he's going to do that. Whatever it takes for green pastures, my shepherd's going to do that. Because my shepherd wants the best for me. Um, that's part of what's going on, uh, I think, from a shepherding perspective. The other, the other would be that um, my shepherd knows, knows where the green pastures are. That if he's going to drive the flock, like if we're going to go on a, on a day where he's going to move, move the herd somewhere, um, he, knows where, he knows what he's doing. He's bringing us to a green pasture. Uh, he's not leading us not knowing where he's going. He's not leading us to somewhere where everything's going to be dead or we're going to have to, like there won't be enough to go around or anything like that. That where, where we're headed, there's goodness. And whether it's because he's worked hard to prepare it or because he's, he's done his recon work and he knows where we're going, whatever it is, um, our, like wh- where we're going, the pastures are going to be green. Um, and, and I, I think we, I think we see those, you know, we see the natural connections between just God being good and, and Him wanting good for us and, and not, not in like a weird, not in a weird way, in a really cool way, um, that there's just, there's goodness that's there. Um, but I was, was reading this, this book and I talked about it a couple of times and was doing just some research on shepherding and, uh, I tend to skip over the, the He makes me lie down part. But uh, these shepherds really, like, they zero in on that. People who work with sheep, they're like, no, like, getting a sheep, like, getting your sheep to lie down is not an easy task. Uh, that they're, they're like really skittish animals. Um, and, and, and they're, they're nervous. And getting them to just to bed down is not, it's not like a dog when they're, they're like, I'm, I'm tired of fetching that ball. I'm going to lay down, you know. Or a cat that just doesn't really care what you want them to do. Uh, they're not like those kind of animals. Um, like for, for a sheep to lie down, to bed down at night and rest, uh, the, the environment has to be, there has to be a certain environment for that to happen, according to these shepherds. Um, and so, uh, that's, and that's interesting to me. Um, it's kind of like if you're, um, if you're trying to, to coax like a baby or a small child to go to sleep, uh, you have to create the right environment for that to happen, you know? Um, so whether that's, you know, putting on some sort of music that helps them go to sleep or a noisemaker deal or making the light, um, making the room dark but not too dark, you know, and that kind of stuff. And maybe you have to sing to them. Maybe you have to like rub their backs so they fall asleep and get everything just right and tiptoe out of the room. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like that. Where you have to create this environment where where the sheep will settle down, their minds and physically and all this kind of stuff, and then they will they, then they'll lie down. Uh, that's a part of what the shepherds would do. And so, uh, to me, I, I I don't know. I think that's that's pretty cool. It says he makes me lie down. It's not meaning like he forces me to lie down in a green pasture, like he takes my legs out from under me and pins me down. It's saying he creates an environment where where I I've feel comfortable enough to to rest. He sets he sets the stage. Um, he takes care of me so much that I'm willing to lie down. Now these shepherds um, they kind of t- talk about a, n- a number of things that will that you have to do to get your sheep to to lie down. And 
uh, you know, you kind of read different things, different places, but it really comes down to kind of two deals. One of them, uh, if they're hungry, they're not, they're not going to lie down. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, one of the part of the tide of the green pastures is the fact that uh, when you leave them to a green pasture, they eat and eat and eat and eat, and then when they're full and they're content, um, they're not, they're not skittish. You know, I don't know if that means like us, like after they eat a big meal, they want to take a nap, or maybe they're so heavy they just like collapse or something. I don't really know, but. But they say if if sheep are hungry they they don't lie down. Um, so you gotta you gotta you gotta bring them somewhere where they're gonna eat, and then then they'll be okay. Uh, the the other thing, and this this is interesting to me too. Uh, I'm gonna say that a lot because I think this is really fascinating. Uh, is that if 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 you have this flock and they're all hanging out on on the side of a hill or whatever, and um, even if they've already eaten, if if the shepherds like Whatever, disappear for a while, like if I don't know, smoke break or something. I don't know. If they like disappear, and uh, and the sheep can't see them, they they will not lie down because they're like I mean now I don't think they've crawled inside the brain of a, of the sheep to find out if this is true or not. But the shepherds believe that it has a couple a couple of things going on. One, um, if the shepherd is is out of sight, then they do not feel safe. Like they are afraid of the predators that are out there. And and whatever. So if the sh- if the presence of the shepherd isn't there, they're scared, and so they stay on their feet because you know if a wolf were to come in, they need to be able to you know bolt or like push one of them in front of the wolf and run or something you know whatever. Uh, but they're 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 not going to like lie down and go to sleep because they're because they're they're scared. Um, if the shepherd is is out of sight, uh, you you get all kind of tension among among the sheep, like the uh, you know the. The ones who feel they need to prove something, apparently they start like button heads with each other. And if, uh, if one of them, if, if you see one of them is like grazing by some really nice looking, I don't know, shrub or something, another one wants it, they'll like run across and like just ram them, you know, and then they'll start, there's all this tension that's there. Uh, the older ones are kind of holding their, their territory and stuff, and the younger ones are trying to prove themselves. And they're just like, they all start fighting each other. Um, so that's kind of weird. Uh, if the, if the shepherds aren't around and the and the sheep have like fleas and ticks and all that kind of stuff aggravating them and they're and they're like real jumpy and stuff like that, uh, they're not going to like lay on the ground and let ticks and fleas and stuff, mosquitoes and stuff like mess with them or whatever. So there are pests. Uh, the, the the flock won't lie down. Um, but if the shepherd is there, then uh, just his presence, they know one that any predator is going to be dealt with by. A greater species, I guess. Somehow they know that, uh, but for some reason they they settle down when the, when they, when they, sh- they can see that the shepherd is there, uh, and so whatever threats might be around there, you know, that kind of subsides. Um, the when the shepherd is there, that I guess they're just not maybe they're not as bold uh, to start picking fights with each other, and so that tension among all of them, like it just it decreases, decreases greatly when the shepherd is there. Maybe it's because he like hits them with something, you know, or maybe there's some sort of discipline there or something or whatever, but. Once, when he's there, like apparently things are much more calm uh, among the among the sheep. Um, and then when when the when he's there, if if, if you got this one sheep that's like jumping all around because there's like these pests, he's going to see that behavior and go over there and respond to it, and either start pulling the ticks off of them or do whatever whatever you would do. Um, and so he helps. He by, based on their behavior, he's like tending to them, you know, based on what they need. And uh, and so for all those things to be. To be present uh, for all that stuff to be going on, like that's what it takes in order for for sheep to lie down. Um, so they they have to be 
they have to be, uh, they can't be hungry, and, and the, they have to be able to see the shepherd. For some reason, all their, all their fears and all their tension and all the whatever subsides, and they eat, and they get full, and they lie down, and they sleep, and they get their rest. And then the sun comes up, and they wake up, and they're like, oh, green pasture, let's go eat. And it all starts over again. Um, so in the Christmas story, when it talks about the shepherds watching their flock by night, uh, that's what they did was at night, they their presence was made known among the flock. And they would walk around, and they would tend to things, and but just their presence, as the sheep were grazing, uh, settled them down enough to where whenever they were full, and they weren't afraid, they weren't fighting with each other, and everything was cool. They settle down, and they get their sleep, because they know their shepherd is watching over them. So there's a lot, a lot more going on in uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures than just he gives me food. Um, we're we're talking about a, a holistic picture of goodness that is that is there, kind of lying beneath the surface. Now, of course. Um, without being able to consult David as the author, who knows how much of that was, was going into his mind? Um, and how much? who knows if sheep really, if it really is the presence of the shepherd that makes him not afraid? I, I don't know. But there's something to be said when shepherds are like, yeah, when, we're, when, when I'm there, man, they're cool. And when I leave, they freak out. There's something to be said for that. Um, I think there are some, some obvious connections that can be made there, you know? Um, as far as the the goodness of the green pasture, um, realizing that like God God's not like waiting to trick you, you know He's not like waiting to see if we mess up. Um, he's not uh, He's not dangling the carrot out in front of us, you know. He's not teasing us with anything or, or whatever. Like there's there's genuine goodness that is there. Um, he He wants the greenest of everything for us. Um, he don't want us eating on old dead briars, you know. Like he wants, like he wants goodness for us. Um, and but for the presence of the shepherd, you know, like that's the to me, like that's the part that maybe has like the most immediate practical application for a lot of us, um, because because I don't know if we like one hundred percent believe that, you know. But I think people will will say, well, okay, well, let's say that we're the sheep in the psalm. Um, I, I'm I'm afraid all the time. I mean, how like in our community groups so far we've talked about anger, like as far as specific issues, anger and lust. Both both of those had fear at their root. We're gonna talk about lying this week. A little preview. It has fear at its root. Like fear is an issue, and so a lot of us would say, uh, "Man, I'm terrified." There's all kinds of stuff I'm afraid of, and I don't even realize I'm afraid of it because I'm so used to it. It's just the normal way that I live. Um, that, you know, I think we live so stressed out. There's some, all this anxiety and it's because, because we, like, are, are just constantly afraid. Because we're playing out all these scenarios in our minds and we're just going, 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 going. And, and of course, like to bring it into Psalm 23 too, of course we're not lying down. Of course we're not resting. Of course we're not, um, just settling in and within that contentment. Because we're so worried, uh, that we just, we just don't do that. So I think there is a little bit of pushback on that. We, you know, say, yeah, well, that must be nice for David to feel that way, but I don't feel that way. Um, or the, or the, the tension issue, 
uh, among sheep, I mean, I'm sure it's definitely, you know, obviously on a different level. But for people, so much of that comes down to just like how much we compare ourselves to other people. And we get real competitive and, you know, we kind of figure out, try to figure out where we measure up and like, oh, if I could only be, you know, as great as this person, at least I'm not as bad as this person. And uh, there's just all this, I don't know, we kind of like size each other up all the time, whether it's spiritually or financially or who lives where or who's... Kids go to school where, or what you drive, or what you, how you dress. Oh, it's just all this stupid stuff. There's, there's so much competitive whatever in, in the world that we live in that we're not very good at stepping away from that and just living a, like an existence that is completely just calm, you know? Um, you know, the, the, the pests and stuff we're talking about, like the mosquitoes and fleas and ticks and that kind of stuff, uh, was reading one thing, you know, and the, so the shepherd is saying, like, you know, if you have a one of your sheep and they're they're showing signs that there are pests or whatever. You go over to them and you try and like take care of it. You're you're killing mosquitoes or you're pulling ticks off or you know you're doing whatever. Um, and and I kind of kind of feel like like there's this obvious parallel of um, when 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 the sheep are are showing signs that something ain't right, the shepherd comes over and says, well, let me tend to this. And it's like we're but we're the sheep. They're like, no, I got this, man. You know, like the Lord's wanting to whatever comfort or guide or correct, you know, discipline us, uh, whatever it is. And we're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And I know I, I know it because because you can you can sense it that as we're going and I'll keep going back to community groups, but it's on purpose. Uh, when, when we talk about we talk about anger. I think I think there are people who are like, man, I don't have anger problems. I'm, I'm fine. And then you get in that discussion. You're like, man, I'm an angry, angry person. And the whole point of this, and, and the same thing, same thing with lust, and this will be the same thing with lying. I think there's a lot of us like, ah, oh, that's not really my deal, and then you're like, it's totally my deal. Uh, but at the end of, of all those discussions so far, what you want is that here are the three steps to cure yourself of lust. And it gets down to like, what's the takeaway? And it's like, live in the kingdom. And I was like, no, I don't want it. That's that's not that's not what I'm looking for, you know. But that's what Jesus is saying. And he he sees us being frustrated. Um, he sees all this this behavior. So he he comes over to us and he's like, "Let me tend to you. Let me teach you how to do this." But we don't like what he tells us sometimes. So we're the sheep that's like, "No, no, I kind of like the, these mosquitoes and and fleas and ticks and stuff like that. Like I'm cool. Like bring on heartworms or Lyme disease or whatever is going these are going to bring. I don't really care because I, I'm I'm fine." I don't think you're that good of a shepherd. Everybody else is all about you, but I don't think you're doing that good. You tend to be doing pretty well with other people, but with me, not so much. So I'm, I'm just going to lay here. I'm going to suffer. Because we don't like his answer. Because his answer is, let me, let me teach you. The chapters in the book that we're going through, it's like learning to live without anger. It's not the cure to anger. It's not three steps to not being angry. It's let Jesus teach you how to not be angry. By teaching you to figure out what you're afraid of, and you can, if you can eliminate the the fear, then your anger is going to subside. And so, even like like since since we talked about that in community groups, there have been plenty of times where I've just been angry, and there most of the time I'm just angry, and then I'm just angry. But there's been a few times where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let Jesus. I, Jesus is my shepherd. Is seeing that I'm like bugging out about something. And he's coming over to me, and he's going to tend to me. And so uh, there's been one or two, one or two times only that that I've 
handling it the right way. And I'm just like, okay, you want to tend to me. And that, and there is that still small voice. It's like, okay, you're angry. So there's, fe- there's fear in there somewhere. You know, there's something happened that was out of your control, but there's a fear in there. Let's figure out what that fear is. And so figure out what that fear is. And he's like, okay, now do you really need to be afraid of that? No. Next thing I know, I'm not angry. I'm, I might be frustrated. I might be confused. I might be, you know, flustered, you know, something else. But I'm not like steam coming out of my ears, turning red, like furious. It's because I, for once, didn't tell Jesus that I'm okay. I don't want you to tend to me. Now, just the presence of the shepherd supposed to help fear and uh, tension, anxiety, uh, let him deal with the past, let him response, the the presence and the response of the shepherd. Um, And so for those of us who are in the room and we hear that and you're like, that sounds really nice, but that ain't me. Uh, Here's here's what I think is the problem. In those times when we we were like, yeah, his presence is not helping me, the truth is we're probably, it's because we're probably just not looking at him. You know, we're in the herd and we're the ones like shepherds in the middle, you know, and we're like facing the other way. And we're like, where is that dude? I thought he was supposed to be my shepherd. I thought he was supposed to be here protecting us and helping us. And the whole time he, he's there. But you're looking this way. And you're mad and you're frustrated. And you're like, everybody else seems to be doing OK. But what about me? What about me? What about me? And all you have to do is like turn yourself around and look at him. Like pick your eyes up, you know. If you want to go all the way to the sheep metaphor, it's like it's not only are we, are we looking the opposite direction, but we're also looking at the ground, you know. So it's about like or, orienting ourselves. Oh, that's the right word. Uh, in his direction and looking up at him. Look at him. If it works for a sheep, <laughs> it should work for us. We have to lift, like, lift our eyes, set our lives in his in that direction, and when we see him, it's true. The, our fears they start to subside. Grew up singing that hymn. You, a lot of you I know did too. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. That's we should sing that tonight. That's that's it. That's absolutely true. And I'm not saying that, oh, let's just set our eyes on Him and then all our circumstances will magically change. That's not what I'm saying. But our, our whole perspective shifts. And we realize, like, man, I'm freaking out about stuff, but th- look at Him. He's right there. I'm so, I'm so afraid of all these things that might happen and might happen, but look at Him. He, look how, he's good. Look at Him. He's right there. Why well, compare myself to all the other sheep why size each other up? Why, why feel inferior or whatever when I just see him right there? It's, it's ah. And when I'm looking at him, and I know he's looking at me, if I'm bugging out about something, he's here he comes. Here he comes. We sang the song, uh, Our God is Mercy. You know what mercy means? It's, it's, it's reaching, reaching into pain. It's God's response to those, to those who are in, in agony, to those who are, who are hurting. 
And so when we're in agony, the shepherd comes over and he's like, all right, let me, let me tend to this. And agony could mean grief. Agony could just mean like trying to deal with anger, like I was talking about a second ago. It could be anything. But whatever is going on, he's going to respond. Why? Because our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. He, he creates an environment where we just settle down and we rest in him. Surrounded by goodness. That's, that's who he is. That's who he is. Now, uh, the next part, uh, he leads me beside still waters. Um, one of the things I read, uh, this, this guy believed that the still waters were, it was the, the droplets of dew on the, that were a part of the green pastures. And he was saying in his experience, I mean, he would go, he'd go weeks and weeks and weeks without his sheep, like getting them to a river, you know, or a well. Because they would get, after, after the presence of the shepherd helped them to lie down and get some rest, in the morning they get up and they go to graze and there's all this dew that's there. And between the water in the, in the, the grass and stuff and the dew that's on the, like, on the grass, between all that, they were watered enough to be completely fine. Uh, I think that's interesting. Um, but others would say that, that it was, it was about watering them. And so it was about like digging wells and making sure that, uh, that they had the, the fresh water. But, but I think this is probably the most, probably the best point uh, to come out of that. If it's water or wells or rivers or whatever, it's probably different for every group of shepherds that are out there. Um, but the thing is, this is, this is the shepherd, uh, not letting stupid sheep drink from stagnant cesspools. So he leads me to still to still water, okay? Not meaning stagnant and gross, all right. Still meaning meaning like good. The guy that that said it was that he thought it was the dew on the on the ground. He said, "What's more still than a drop of dew?" Hey, I shouldn't have said that. that sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> not not in my notes. It, uh, but but that is a picture of stillness, you know. But think think about it this way, um, you know, dogs are notorious for drinking out of toilets, right? Because they're dumb. If you've ever, like, like I'm I'm a dog person, and I've had enough dogs in my life to know this that they will sure enough go drink out of like a nasty like puddle over there when they have a bowl. Of really clean water with ice in it, because they don't know. And so, as a good dog person, am I going to sit there and let my dog go and drink out of some like nasty, nasty, like stagnant, like puddle of water that has who knows what growing in it? No, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the dog to stop. And if I have to, with my current dog, I have to like drag her to the clean water and be like, this is what you want to be drinking. That's kind of what's being communicated here in this part of this verse. Is that as the good shepherd, he's, he leads us to still water. Meaning he, he doesn't let us drink from water that's going to have parasites and all kind of disgusting stuff in it that's going to make us sick and be bad for us. That he leads us to the best water that there is. And see... It's the he leads he leads me part that's so cool. 
Because if sheep aren't led to that, they're going to settle and they're going to drink stuff that is bad for them. And we're the, we're the same way. We're we're settlers if we're not if we're not led. And so Jesus, as our shepherd, is is leading us, and as a part of the journey, is he's saying like, don't don't do that. Say, don't drink from that cesspool. Drink from this, this still water, this pure well. This is this is a well that I've dug for you. And it's all the, the best water that's coming from it. Drink from this. Don't drink from that. That'll hurt you. This is good for you. That's the, that's the spirit, I think, of what's being communicated here. And so when we, when we look at, at, the, at that verse, um, I think there's, there's kind of one, one big idea that's being communicated. And then I think there are some things that are being implied. Okay, I think the big idea that's being communicated in this verse is this: um, is if I had to say it in one word, it would it would be goodness. That there's goodness, uh, green pastures, still water. Okay, that the that the best is is what God has for us. That what whatever it is. His desire on His end is is the best possible scenario for us. We may not see it that way. Um, we may not see it that way right now. We may not see it that way like at the end of our lives. Um, but it doesn't really matter. And from His perspective, uh, as the shepherd, what He's doing in each of our lives is, is pure goodness. Kind of underneath that is this... Um, it would be easy to look at the verse and say, "Green pastures, still water." Uh, our, our goodness is what describes our destinations. And I think that's true. And whether whether you mean whether you're talking about heaven as a destination, being good, that's going to be really good. Um, or, or whether you're saying, you know, my, my destination of of being free from this addiction or this sin struggle, uh, healing from this old wound. Um, just getting through this this sanctification issue that, that I've really just been struggling with, um, you know th- those those kind of things. You know, our, our marriage being restored, these friendships being restored, our family coming back together, like all these kind of things. Uh, those destinations are good too. But I, but I think this verse says more than just our destinations are good. I think this verse says that the process is good as well. That the journey is good as well. That that the process of of just the, the presence and response of our shepherd, uh, lear, us learning how to face him, look at him, like lift our eyes to him, and, and to let him calm our fears, uh, cause, calm our tensions, let our anxieties go down, let our concerns go down, uh, like all that kind of stuff, and for us to just to feed and to get really, really full and to lie down and to rest, that that entire process is also goodness. It's not just where you're going, it's, it's every step of the journey. Every single step is goodness. So whether you want to look at heaven or some sort of goal kind of deal that you have achieved or, or this very moment, every single bit of that is covered in goodness. Um, it's not that one day it's going to all be worth it. It's that today in this moment, it, every, it's all worth it. It's all part of it. It's all, it's all absolutely good. So there's goodness. A lot of times we don't feel that way. 
a lot of times we struggle to uh, to really embrace the fact that um, that today, whatever happens today, God is good. Sometimes that's because we've been really like rebelling against Him. Like I said, we've been those sheep. They're like, I'm good. I don't want you to tend to me, or I'm going to face the other way. Or, you know, we're the ones who've been led to green pastures but won't eat. We've been led to still waters but won't drink. Sometimes because because we're being brats, uh, we like to blame the Lord on stuff and be like, we're just not being a very good shepherd or whatever. Here's here's the bizarre part is even in that scenario, there's still goodness. You know why? Because as a shepherd, he doesn't take that crook and like crush us. He doesn't uh, auction us off to somebody else's flock. He doesn't end. He doesn't end our existence. He doesn't turn his back on us. There's goodness. That even when we are being obstinate, and even when we are being super prideful, and even when we have these weird idols and all the things we talked about last week, even in the midst of all that, there's goodness. Because the shepherd is still there being like, hey, guess what? You're invited. You're included. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, you can pout all you want, and you can just you can wallow and all this kind of stuff, but uh, I, I want to take those, those pests away from you. And, and I want you to trust me that the fears, that you have nothing to be afraid of, and that there's I, everything's going to be cool. So... You just have your little pity party and you do all whatever, but um, as soon as you snap into reality, when I, you know, I'm here. Deal with it. Because there's goodness there. Every scenario, every situation, there's just goodness. So that would is what I would say is being explicitly stated here. Uh, so what is what is being implied? Um, I think there are two things being implied that would be takeaways for us. And they're probably super obvious because I only preach five sermons here at the ring. Um, so you have a one in five chance of guessing what I'm about to say. Uh, there are two things that are being implied here in this psalm. Uh, the first one is, is trust. That the sheep have to trust the shepherd in order to lie down. And the sheep have to trust the shepherd as he's leading them to water. They have to trust Him that they can close their eyes and go to sleep and He really will take care of whatever predators are there. Um, that He'll take care of any tension that's there. That if, if something happens, He'll be there to tend to it. That They have to trust that everything's going to be okay. They have to trust that He is who He says He is and He does what He says He's going to do and that He really is as good, as good as the Scriptures say He is and as good as uh, the overall experience of the church is. There has to be trust as there. And I I believe with all my heart that there are more trust issues aimed at Jesus than there are trust issues aimed at other people. We act like we have trust issues horizontally, but I think a lot of them are really vertical trust issues. And so this psalm, I think, is communicating that goodness I think a big part of the takeaway is just trust that goodness. I mean, trust Him enough to settle down. Stop freaking out. It doesn't mean detach from reality. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean don't like take steps forward, okay? We work in tandem with Him. We work, like it's gonna require stuff from us. But settle down. Look at the shepherd. I mean, aim your life in His direction and look up 
and see Him and let His presence, let His response settle you down. We've got, we've got to trust that. And I know there's probably some people that are like, man, we're tired of hearing this dude talk about faith. I, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. And I think it's something that we always, we're always growing in. So implied, I think there's trust in the shepherd. Uh, the second one is there's, there's obedience. Obedience. Now when the, when the shepherd says, uh, hey, I'm taking you to green pastures, let's get up and go. So okay, let's go. When the shepherd says, stop drinking from that, drink from this. We're like, okay, alright. I think we've, it's, it's about obedience. And so in the scriptures, they are constantly saying like, flee from this. Don't, don't entertain this in your mind. Don't be a part of this. Don't, don't connect yourself to this. It's bad for you. It's like the dogs drinking from a toilet. It's like sheep drinking from some cesspool full of parasites and full of disgusting stuff. And you have the shepherds like, don't do that. I think you go back to our discussion on lust this week. And there's a lot of just super practical things where it's really the same deal. She's saying, no. It's not what I have for you. I have goodness for you. There has to be obedience as a part of it. When he says, don't drink that, we don't drink it. I'm not, that's not a stance on beverage consumption. When he's saying, don't do that, we don't do it. When he says, do this, we do that. So he says, man, soak up the scriptures. We soak them up. When he says, practice the Sabbath, man, we, we, we build that into our time. He says, pray without ceasing. We're like, man, I don't get that, but I, I want to because I, I was told to do it by my shepherd. And everything he's telling me is for my good. If he says, don't do something, it's because that's bad for me. If he says, do this, it's for my good. Why? Because there's goodness. Everything's goodness. And so, trust and obey, another good old hymn. I think that's what's being implied here. And that's, that's how it, I think that's how it works. It's like, look at the goodness of God. So what do we do in light of that? We trust Him. And we obey Him. Because He is the Good Shepherd. And I am part of His flock. I am under His care. And he says, I want you, I've included you, And I don't know, you know, I say this every week, I don't know where it fits into your life. Um, I know some of where it fits into mine, but some of it is going to be me processing it as we go forward. I don't really know. Um, but uh, one of the things that we've done at the ring since the very beginning is we've kind of spent time either like just thinking about it or we spent time singing as a response. And sometimes you know, when you start to sing something, Somehow it solidifies, you know, it gets, it gets real a little bit. So we're going to kind of do that here in a second um, along these lines. So let me, let me pray for us. Band's going to come. So how about you just, you just sit there for a second and think about what this has to do with you.
Lord, there's a lot of lot of ways this could go for us tonight. And uh, just as we close here and as we sing and, and respond to whatever it is that you stirred in us, um, I do ask that, just in all humility, that you would uh, you'd use this response time to solidify some things, help connect some dots, help us just to to continue to to orient ourselves in your direction, to look up at you, to set our eyes, to set our our face right on you. I pray that we would experience in a real way that the goodness that this verse talks about, that this whole psalm talks about. And as we look to respond in trust or obedience or whatever it looks like, um, pray we would just keep in mind the fact that those guys were writing and they were just talking about how the presence of the shepherd makes all the difference. Recognizing that you are here, that you are just as present in this room as you are in heaven, um, and that you are more near than we realize. And so I pray as we sing, that you just connect some things together, uh, that you be glorified.